Good evening, everybody. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good brunch. Good brunch, everybody. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, we're back. We're back. We're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm sorry. I got the Rona. I got the vid. She got the Rona. It happened. Down for the count. I think we mentioned it in the last episode, but guess what? We haven't posted that yet. Because <laughs> she got the Rona and we had to stop for a second. Yeah, I I just, I needed to have life in my bed for a few well, days. Well, and to be clear, not only her and her own life in her bed, but her three children and her husband also. <laughs> so. It's been super duper fun in my house. Thanks. It's been a little chaotic. Which is so funny because I managed to make it like the whole pandemic until now not getting it. And then my my mom, bless my mom. Which, by the way, sidebar already, my mom just texted me the other day and was like, what's the name of your podcast again? And I'm like, (laughs) okay, one, why are you asking? Two, I've only been doing this for three years. Are you freaking kidding me, mom? Also, we know that she's just asking because she was telling someone about it, not because she's going to listen herself. Exactly. But anyway, so she calls me and we're chatting and she's like, I just, I wonder why you're just so sick when you've had your vaccinations. And I'm like, mother, I'm like, because my four-year-old was all up in my grill, sneezing Mm -hmm. and coughing in my face for Mm -hmm. 20 hours on end at a time while she was febrile with COVID. Like, my viral load had to have been through the roof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, it's very different than wearing a mask out in the community and getting a couple droplets up your sleeve, you know? Like, come on. You know how I feel about explaining viral load to people. <laughs> oh my God. It drives just, me crazy. <laughs> I just can't even. Then the other thing she said to me, and everybody will appreciate this since we mentioned it on last week's episode, which is um, my mom said, because I, I, I lost my taste. And I said, I don't know if it's because of congestion, like I just can't taste because I'm congested, or if I lost my taste because of coronavirus. And she said, well, you can't have Omicron if you lost your taste. You must have Delta. And I was like, ah. <laughs> but I'm too. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't work like that. Oh my gosh. Anyway. And she really pushed all of our buttons in one little innocent conversation. You know what is so funny is that is just what a mother does. That's exactly right. That's I love exactly her. Right. I love her. I love her so much. She is like, she is the sun and the moon and I adore her. And like, Oh, no I, one doubts that. Of course. I know. I ch- but I, I mean, I genuinely cherish her. But man, that woman, she just, she doesn't even do it on purpose is the thing. It's she just innocently pushes every little button and flips every switch. Just no by, one like, can do it like family can do it. Oh my god. She'll call me and we'll be having a chat and we'll be like, I don't know, 60 seconds in, not exaggerating. And she'll be like, okay, well, I really got to get going. And I'm like... Like she, you're inconveniencing her by I know. calling her when and you're like, like, you called me! You called me! Like, what did you want? Like, ugh. My mother. dad does the opposite oh, where I will call him. And then he will talk and talk and talk and then be like, that sounds good, honey. I'll talk to you later. Right. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. I yeah, called like, you. I, I haven't even gotten to my thing yet. I, I have a car question. Come back. My dad is the same way, except the caveat to my dad is when he answers the phone, I'll be like, hey, do you have a minute? And he'll be like, a, a quick minute. I'm pretty busy. And I'll be like, okay. And then it'll be... 97 minutes later and he's like talking about the state of covid Uh and the political environment and have i read the latest news article and let's talk about the most recent game that was played and and i love conversations with my dad love him love him love him but it's just so funny because he'll be like i just got a quick minute i don't have time to talk i'm swamped i'm super busy like i just what do you need I'll be like, well, I just wanted to call because I wanted to let you know that, no, I just got COVID and I'm off work for a couple of days. And okay, let's talk about COVID. <laughs> just down a rabbit hole. Like there's just no stopping him. Oh, boy. 
Anyway. Anyway. Well, we have a ton of stuff to get to. We sure do. So um, you and I can chat for hours on end. We all know that. But let's get right into topic because I think this is going to be a long episode anyway, but it's all very topical and timely. Sure is. And we've already talked an hour before we even started recording. So <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> so there's always a lot to say. Our listeners didn't get to hear that. That was fun too, guys. <laughs> We're fun off we camera had a too. Whole camera. Hour long talk camera yeah <laughs> so tired whatever <laughs> i know it's 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 very late at night for both of us and i'm a night shifter and it's very late at night for me but being off with coronavirus i'm like on a day shift schedule right now i'm like mm. dreading going back to work yeah so i've literally been i haven't worked a shift in nine days oh my gosh that's a really long time for you and I'm not. I'm not working until I get back from vacation. Oh, good for you. That's the best. I know. I leave Friday. Well, I was supposed to work tomorrow, but my husband's so sick. I can't leave him home with the kids. Yeah. So I have to, I, I told my boss, I was like, I can't come in. I can't. You are very well-deserving and needing <laughs> one of those vacations where you kind of, you come back and you're like, do I remember how to do this job? <laughs> right yeah that'll be well i'll be off work for so if it's already nine days and i'm not going back for another seven days i'll be oh my god, oh my god. that's more than two weeks what that a I haven't worked that's crazy so jealous. i don't know when the last time that's happened maternity leave probably but yeah maybe and then then i even only took six weeks right. <laughs> i know that was so sad and depressing i don't want to talk okay about we won't it. talk about it i hated our boss i know what a witch. <sighs> she was the worst. She's the worst. For all of you who don't know, I took the job that Sarah and I met at. I started this job and I found out I was pregnant like right before I started the job. So I was like, hi, thanks for having me. I need to go on maternity leave shortly. Well, I hadn't been there for 12 months, so I didn't qualify for FMLA leave, and I had no union protection whatsoever. And so it was two weeks before I was scheduled to go out to have a baby, and our manager was like, well, maybe you'll have a job when you get back. And I was like, wait, are you, are you kidding right now? I forgot are that you she said that. Are you serious? Are you kidding? And she was like, well, you just never know. Like, straightest face ever. She, like, I don't think she was joking. What a And then, bitch. as it turns out... I hated her. How long was, how long was I back before... You had they, her... Uh, before the they summer, expedited my... The summer before I moved, right? Because I came and saw you while you were on maternity leave. And I was... I had yeah. moved by the time you went back. And then... Okay. So, only a few months. Yeah. I think I was only there till April or april that i worked through april yeah that was it so just for so just a couple so six months after i came back yeah anyway oh. anyway uh okay moving right along we got lots of feedback from questions posed by sarah yes we did so let's talk about it we asked the question what did you know about nursing before you chose it meaning before you went into school were people honest with you did you feel like you had an accurate picture or did you become a nurse and then have a what the fuck moment Man, the replies were incredible. I think we got the most replies we've ever gotten on really? anything. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. So, unfortunately, I cannot read them all. In fairness, our audience is growing. That's Yes, it's growing. And so. this is something that everyone can relate to because everyone was told mm -hmm. something. So, I was telling Jamie, I posed this question. I meant to post, just repost it to get more people give people a longer chance to respond. And in my second posting, I rephrased the question to basically mean something completely different. So we ended up having two topics by accident, but you know what? I'm here for it. It was real a really rich conversation. You guys are so awesome. You're so thoughtful. You're so articulate. I'm just blown away. So we're going to talk about them both a little bit. I love it. In general, so the first question, which was, what did you know about nursing before you chose it? Most people were aligned with the things that Jamie and I said in our episode, which was, you'll always have a job. There's great pay. You have flexible scheduling. And there's a lot of room for movement. So let me just read a selection. How about that? Sure. This is from M. Hi, Em. Hi, Em. My mom was a nurse. She worked as a CNA, then an LPN, then an associate RN, all while raising me and my three brothers. I saw that she worked hard and was always tired, but there was always money to be made when we were struggling financially. I wanted to be a doctor, but for personal reasons, ended up doing nursing. We were constantly told that there was a nursing shortage. We were professional registered nurses, graduated in 08, and by the time I passed the NCLEX and got a job, the starting rates were low. 
I'm visibly Muslim and the places that I interviewed didn't want me for day shift. My years of being here have been filled with stories of how, quote, this facility hospital used to be and they used to care about us and the patients. Now I'm one of those nurses talking about how things used to be better because they've just gotten worse. Older nurses disrespectfully fired right before retirement for made-up bullshit and then replaced by new nurses who they can pay less Uh but have no experience and when things get challenging, we all just drown together. Anyway, went off on a tangent. Not what you asked. (laughs) My view of nursing was that there were challenges but lots of good. Company had your back. Pay was good. Benefits were good. Oh my gosh. But all true things. Yeah. No one was able to submit what they were told without having an opinion about how wrong it was. (laughs) I love it. I, again, as I say every week, I freaking love our audience. Yeah, same. <laughs> this is from Jay. Hi, Jay. All lies. They gave me a vague, you'll always have a job and the pay is good responses. My first two semesters of nursing school, our clinicals were constantly canceled. We were forced to do sim labs and case studies. This was in 2014. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Wow. So during my last year, third semester of the program, I had my first clinical. That was when I had my, oh no, what the fuck did I do moment. And at that point I was in too deep. Oh my God. Poor thing. But you're still a nurse. Well, you know, that's what I kind of asked everyone. I'm like, and yet here you are talking to me as a nurse. And they're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> well, it's I mean, it's hard. What do you what do you do? Well, what, you're not going to go back you, to school and get an art history degree. I mean, for goodness sake. Well, start going back to school now, guys. That way, when you want to like jump ship in three years, yeah. you're good to go. No <laughs> Another M. I am. I definitely was encouraged to become a nurse with the whole "you'll make a great nurse, you'll change lives" talk. I started oh. on a unit before COVID with lower staffing ratio, so I did feel like I could give good care. But with the pandemic, I had a major what the actual fuck moment. I had days where I would be fighting tears just doing little tasks because this is not what I pictured for myself. And I didn't feel like I was helping anyone. I've never felt so stressed, overworked and overwhelmed in my entire life. I've only been a nurse for four years, but I can feel myself getting hardened and jaded, which is comical and also sad. You know, this is all very like visceral. Uh huh. Because I well I I don't want to speak for everybody here, but I know you and I know me. We've felt these same emotions, right? Yeah, it's funny how reading these things transports you back into the time that you were wherever they are. You know, so mm-hmm. whether you're mm-hmm. not yet in school or you're in school or you're newly graduated or you're on a floor that you hate or you're thinking about leaving bedside, like we've experienced all those places, obviously. Sure, and mm-hmm. they're all associated with such strong memories. This is from A. Hi, A. Watching the nurses on the floor while being a CNA was a good way of seeing what they did for me. I will say, though, once once I became a nurse, I was like, holy shit, they do more than I thought they did. Sometimes as a CNA, it felt like the nurses were sitting more than me, and it definitely wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. I will say that's something that is, it's one of those things that I think no matter where you are, no matter what position you are, is very easy to criticize the other roles. So mm-hmm. when you're a nurse, it's easy to criticize the CNAs. When you're a CNA, it's easy to criticize the nurse. We're all nurses. It's easy for us to criticize administration. There are administrators sitting there criticizing nurses. It's just such like a hostile environment all the way around. Like everybody hates everybody. I'm in these like leadership and teams classes right now. And I'm the only medical person and all of them are having all this lovely, wonderful feedback about how they're applying the things that we're learning to all their work groups and teams and, you know, changing their leadership styles. And we had to like Mm -hmm. write down a bunch of different types of teams and what they're characterized as and give them a rating. And all of them were like fours and fives, things are flourishing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yo, everyone I work (laughs) with is so goddamn miserable. We can't get anything done. Mm-hmm. it's unbelievable now is that a sweeping declaration yes it is of course of course but but man it is really hard to feel like i have anything positive to contribute to these conversations well i'm sorry but i feel like trying to make any decision in the bureaucratic red tape of a hospital is damn near impossible because if you want to make a change to anything you have to go through 1800 committee meetings Mm -hmm. like you have to put a committee together to get people together to propose who else should be on the committee and are we missing anybody to have a meeting to to talk about meetings to schedule another meeting oh my god 
Exactly. And nothing ever no. gets accomplished. It's it's maddening. And all you want to do is change the world. Well, and one of the topics that we focus on a lot in the past few weeks has been how problem solving can't occur until the problem is identified and the correct players are in the room. And a mm-hmm. hospital is not set up to run like that. No, it's not. So because of an inappropriate power balance and... Physicians? Mm-hmm. Or whomever, but yeah, can say it out loud. <laughs> I mean, you can say it. I... And politically motivated agendas, and no, we can't possibly talk about that because Doctor So and So will be mad, and yeah. oh, well, this person's a donor, so blah blah blah. Listen, of course, things like this exist everywhere, but we from the gate, we talk about this all the time. Nursing solutions for doctor problems. You have a a hundred nurses on committees all across the hospital trying to come up with solutions and you're not getting to the root cause because no one wants to be honest about what the problem actually is. So until that happens, there's, there's nowhere to go. It's just exhausting. It's exhausting. (sighs) You're just a rat in a wheel. That's right. Okay. (sighs) Okay, Chugging along. More, more. (laughs) More, please. Chugging along. Pardon me, sir. May I have another? Please, sir. May I have another quote? I'm going to take out that accent. That was terrible. (laughs) Although that's the voice we do for my dog when he's looking cute and small and begging for food. Please, sir. Like Tiny Tim. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing, too. (laughs) That's better than, like, giggity, giggity. Another quote. (laughs) (laughs) I used the word quagmire in a paper recently. Oh, I love it. That's amazing. Again, this is from C. Hi, C. (laughs) Sorry. Hi, C. (laughs) The nurses I knew didn't talk about the bad side unless I specifically asked. I was lucky and I read a ton of books, which gave me an idea. But it was still a shock when I hit the floor that first time as a tech. I know a lot of the students with me are going to feel the same way when they enter clinicals for the first time. Not knowing anything isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think it does contribute to the high turnover. I feel like I had a lot of prejudgments about nursing from learning so much about it. Meaning not having any idea and coming in cold contributes to turnover because it's not what you think it was i mean i get that but is there really uh, the best way to experience like if you think you might want to be a nurse go work as a cna you can get like or like a stna you can get a state tested nursing assistance license in like a couple weeks i think i'm pretty sure and you can go work as an stna and go into the hospitals and see what really goes on because and i obviously is... that is very valuable but i do think like you said the division of roles it puts people in a place to be like oh this is really hard but it's going to be so much cushier when i'm a nurse even though if you <laughs> see what's going on but if you don't have the scope it's just hard to know yeah but i mean at least then you have a taste like yeah. re- realistically i mean is there any like if you decide you want to go to college for finance you don't know you yeah you don't into... know there, I mean, I'm sure plenty You're of right. people walk into finance and they're like, oh, God, no, this is not what I want to do. Right. Same thing with law school, medical school. I mean, yeah. whatever. And they may people, love the like, classes and it's not until they get to any kind of practical application, which for finance or law might not be till you do an internship in your final year or right. beyond. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, right. And and. And then it's, you know, escalation of commitment, right? I mean, you're so far in, you're You're like, I'm just getting the degree at this point. Like, I don't care. There's got to be a better way, man. It has to start with not making people choose their careers at 17. Well, that's a huge factor, too. (laughs) I mean, come on. Okay, this is from S. Did somebody say gap year? (laughs) God, no kidding. Just backpack around (laughs) Europe and don't talk to anybody. Hey, I did that and I'm fine with it. I know. Although I did talk to people. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> Especially backpacking through Europe. We talked to a lot of people. Talked to a lot of people. Maybe some we shouldn't have talked to. Okay, this is from S. Hi, S. I had no clue what nursing was about. I'm the first medical person I know in my entire family and friends group. I chose nursing oh, wow. because I knew I liked an ever-changing work routine. I could never be someone who sits in a cubicle. And for a decent paycheck. Now here I am in the trenches. <laughs> I'm grateful my experiences at a, as a multitasking waitress, LOL, at Jamie, and a CNA <laughs> in nursing school gave me somewhat good base, but nothing could have prepared me for nursing, really. My what-the-fuck moments happened every shift. Oh, God. Sometimes those are the best things, though. They're the ones that you reflect upon, and you're like, oh, I love my job. They're also the ones that are like, I hate my job. I had a what-the-fuck moment literally today, and we were hysterical retelling the story now it's not funny when a patient's swinging at you but later telling the story we were hysterical so it's hard it's hard to yeah yeah um this is from another s 
Hey, S. She said, ha, my best friend's mom is a nurse. When I told her I was going into nursing, she looked at me and said, ugh, why? I said, because I want to help people. And she said, okay, y'all love it. (laughs) She should have said, honey, come on, grab a cup of coffee. Yeah, let's sit down and talk. (laughs) Why don't you shadow me one night? (laughs) Right. Several people have said that they've feel like they've gotten a better picture of nursing by listening to our podcast while they were in school, which is very sweet. Very sweet. And the goal for it's like part of the goal, at least. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is from another M. Hi, M. Again, I was lucky to know the nitty gritty because a lot of my family works in healthcare. However, they did not really relay the emotional impact this job has. Obviously, we all know there is one because hello, we see people die. But no one warned me or prepared me for taking care of people who we are doing all the things for. When in reality, we need to let them pass peacefully and with dignity. It is something I have really been struggling with lately. I became a nurse to help people, not torture those in their last days. You know, it's a really valid point, and I'm sorry you're experiencing that, because I think many of us have had those same exact thoughts. Um, But, you know, part of the reason that I think people don't warn other people about the emotional toll is... I don't even think people are acutely aware that they're experiencing emotional toll. I do think that is a a narrative that has changed with the pandemic. The freedom to speak Mm -hmm. about trauma was Mm -hmm. not really something that was popular. Sure. But, but even I'm, what I'm saying is different than that though. What I'm saying is I think there's a lot of people in our profession in healthcare, not just nurses, but just in healthcare in general, that aren't aware that they're experiencing emotional trauma at the time or emotional turmoil or any yeah. of that because they're they're in it and they're just putting one foot in front of the other. And you, you know, especially if you don't have a lot of healthcare people in your life, you don't come home and talk about healthcare stuff. So you just like mm-hmm. go, it's just a job you do and you come home. Yeah, it's and you part, try part to, of the like, job. This is away. how it is at work. Everyone's yeah. going through it. Yeah. I think the culture enforces this is just normal. And there's going to be yeah. things that you do in your job that no one else except your nursing friends are ever going to understand fully or appreciate mm-hmm. really or have any kind of actual empathy for i think that's definitely true and when you're in it you're just in it it's just your life it's just your job you know you're just working but i do think that by encouraging more people to talk about uh, as the culture has changed into talking more about trauma maybe it can help people identify that a little bit clearer of like oh maybe what i'm experiencing isn't normal (laughs) maybe there is trauma here that's worth investigating well and i think it manifests itself in different ways for different people but i think a lot of times it starts manifesting itself at home because I i know for me when i'm more burnt out at work and more tired or have had harder days like i am more baseline angry at home Yeah. And a lot of times I don't recognize that in myself until I'm like, wait, why am I reacting this way? Like, why am I being such a fucking raging bitch right now? Yeah. And honestly, some days I'm like, I can't believe my family stays with me. Like, sometimes (laughs) I am a lunatic. My God. Absolutely. And it's it's very hard to separate those things because you're not given any space to really process it because guess what? You have to go home and then come back the next day and literally do it all over again. Right. And. If you took time to really have a post-mortem after every shift, there wouldn't be time for anything else. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's just almost too much. I mean, that's what we've Ugh. talked about, having an in-house therapist to come around and yeah. help people. Like, literally during help me shift. During your shift, literally help me process yeah. some shit so I don't go home and take it out of my family. Exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, you're not alone. I'm sorry you're going through that. I encourage you, though, um, to... Um, advocate for palliative care and hospice and there are nurses that are specializing in palliative care Mm -hmm. if you're somebody who wants to make the death and dying process you know better for the family because at that point your patient is your patient but your family is also your patient as well and i think there's a lot of things that can be done to make those last moments the ones that people have such positive memories about and you can be that person you can absolutely advocate for there and there are palliative care teams and of course obviously people are familiar with hospice nursing so maybe that's something that you know you can pursue looking at that end of nursing rather than like the icu critical care type of Mm -hmm. we do every intervention possible Mm -hmm. so 
food for thought. Yeah. I definitely thought about doing that before I decided to be done with bedside because I was like, man, I'm really struggling to be aligned with the mission. Mm. And it's hard for that not to permeate through everything. Sure. So where I used to work when I was in neuro ICU, there were three wings to my unit. There was the neuro ICU unit, the neuro step down unit, and then the palliative care unit. Mm-hmm. And so you would have these people who were brain dead. And I thought it was very like an odd juxtaposition of the neuro ICU next to palliative care and all the same nurses who would like rotate through. But you'd have a patient who was, you know, brain dead or terminally ill or, you know, whatever. And the family would just decide to terminally wean the patient and we would take them over across the hall to the other to the palliative care unit and we would extubate them over there and the family would all come in and it was a different environment than the ICU but it was so weird because you would care for the ICU patient there and then once the family made the decision you would be the nurse that would wheel them over and then you would just assume care and perform palliative care Mm. so it was like you were doing everything 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 Okay, and here's some tissues it. and music yeah. and CDs and, you know, like, yeah. and it was just, it was just very weird. But I mean, it was also beautiful at the same time. It is, but it's, it's like slamming on the brakes on the highway. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. And then putting it in reverse. <laughs> yeah. And trying to be like, oh, I've missed my exit. Hold on, everybody. I'm just going to be this person. <laughs> right. Anyway. Okay. We got to get All moving. Right. So this, I'm going to read. Um, the next one are responded to this one and then also the next question. So we're just going to lead okay. in for, we're going to end and begin with R. Gotcha. While I knew that it was always super competitive and that you always have to cover your ass. Obviously each unit and each hospital have a different experience and each description. You won't be the same because honestly, nursing is what you make of it. You can do the most or minimal and make a great or the worst job of your life. But one thing I know for sure, nursing is not easy and not for everyone. And I have been told that since day one. Mm, That's good. So then the next question, remember, is what do you wish you had known about nursing before you went to school? So not what were you told, but what do you wish you had known before you went to school? Mm -hmm. So again, R says, oh, my God, I wish I knew how to do basic patient care because we learn all of this shit and then finally walk into the hospital and feel like an absolute dumbass again. At least now I can wipe ass, pass meds, turn, and empty a foley all at the same time. JK. (laughs) That's funny. F says, I wish I had known that the bedside nurse is the liaison for literally everything. Can't just show up and do your own job, but you have to coordinate for a million other people. Yep. And you know what? I've become one of those consults that uses the bedside nurse as the liaison for the rest of the team. I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, But guess what? There's no other way to do it. Hey, Sarah, you're a dick. I mean, literally, I am. That's exactly right. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we've said it before on here, like, you're not just a nurse. You're also a psychiatrist, social worker, well, chaplain, family therapist, uh, medication passer. Don't forget your waitress. Mm -hmm. (laughs) waitress Comedian, entertainment, (laughs) TV fixer, uh, technology troubleshooter. (laughs) Punching bag. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's nuts. It's nuts. This is from you. You the letter, not you, Jamie. I submitted it. Yeah. (laughs) No, this is from you the person. Hi, you. For my fellow introverts, if you can eat lunch together with your clinical group, do it, even if you really just want alone time. Ranting to each other about our experiences at school has helped keep me sane on multiple occasions and especially important since all lectures are still online for us. Also, get ahead on the written assignments. You'll thank yourself later. Don't plan for a productive post-clinical evening. That's all very good advice, you. K says, I think I'm glad I didn't really know anything about nursing before I decided to go into it. I'm afraid I would not have chosen it and then not have known that there's just so much more to it than packing stage four pressure ulcers, dealing with psych patients spitefully smearing shit on the walls and changing an old demented lady's GI bleed all night. All I knew before going into it is that the schooling was going to be hard and that the profession, from what I had heard from my family, was respected and reliable for making money. Because I didn't know all of what nursing entailed, I chose it. And because I chose it, yes, I lived through the gnarly stuff, but now I'm living with a princess job in a clinic where there's 100% less poop and 85% less urine. (laughs) That one really made me laugh. And then she put a little princess emoji. I love it. Well, you know, the funny thing is, though, is to the... 
to the lay people, nursing is always voted like one of the most trusted and honored professions. Yeah. But it's so funny because nurses feel like we, like our morale is so low. We feel like nobody gives a shit about, about us. Nobody cares about us. Nobody, yeah. like, it's a thankless job type of deal. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, it's just so funny. The public perception of what we are versus how we feel we are. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. You know, it's it's a different setting where at any given time a patient will come into a room completely naked and trust that the nurse is going to look at them and take care of their modesty as best they can and honor them as best they can and give the meds that are ordered and be honest with them. Oh, my favorite is when the male nurse comes in and they're like, oh, hi, doctor. Yeah. And then the female oh doctor God. comes in and they're like, are you my nurse? Ugh. E says... Um, in terms of what do you wish you had known, that education never stops. New grad programs in our nursing school 2.0. Absolutely. Education never stops. And you know what happens when education stops? You become the nurse that sits at the desk and says, we've always done it this way. Yeah, that's right. Just FYI. That's not evidence-based practice. Get off your ass and do something. Learn. 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 Do it. Learn. I would say crack a book, but you don't even have to do that anymore. Just Google. No, Google it. Go to go to the government healthcare websites. Like you can find all the evidence based practice you want. Mm-hmm. Jay, another Jay says, "I knew it would be a hard job, emotionally and physically demanding, and very fast paced. I thought I had the work ethic to do well in a hard job. Now I know that doing well is about way more than work ethic. It's about having the resources to facilitate success. Unfortunately, nobody will do well when they have six plus super sick patients, as I often do on my onc tele floor due to short staffing." This sounds so dim writing it out now. I guess I just wish I knew how depressing it would be to watch hospitals prioritize profits over patients day in and day out. I will keep working hard because I truly love caring for patients. But if I knew how disheartening the staffing situation would be, I may have chosen to care for them in a different profession. You know what's funny is, I mean, okay, I should respond to that first. Yes, I hear you. I feel you. We are all feeling this we're all feeling the magnitude and the weight of this every Mm -hmm. single one of us it doesn't whether you're bedside or not bedside we're all feeling the magnitude of this so i don't want to be dismissive of your comments because they're really valid points what's interesting about it is when you look back so probably been 10 years since i've worked med surge and when i worked med surge a night shift we had six patients and some of us would have a seventh like occasionally you'd get a seventh patient Mm. and our charge nurses had a couple patients of their own or we would get an insulin drip on a med surge floor and the charge nurse would take the insulin drip that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but now so four years ago when i started in my administrative role our med surge ratio was one to five And then sometimes they would flex up to six and the intermediate or progressive or step down or whatever level of care you want to call it. They were one to four and would occasionally flex to five on nights or, you know, one or two nurses would flex to five if they had a lighter load or whatever. And now where we're at is my med surge unit is at a one to four ratio and they are like hard, like they will not flex. My intermediate care is at a one to three ratio, a one to three ratio. My ICU is operating at a one to one and a half ratio, which I know that doesn't make sense, but it just has to do with the amount of nurses on the unit that don't have patient assignments. So like they, they have like team leads who don't have assignments. They have a chargers that doesn't have assignments. They have a flex nurse that doesn't have an assignment. So they have all these people that are working that don't have assignments that are just there to help. So with all those nurses, they're one to one and a half ratio. And yet all that being said, everybody is still complaining about the amount of work. Yeah. And like. I know that patients have gotten sicker, but like, I don't know, man, at some point it's like, come on. Like, well, my dad told me when he was in, when he was a bedside nurse and then even CRNA, which he mm. retired when I was 10 and now I'm 30. Okay. So he hasn't, okay. he hasn't been in a hospital setting in 20 years. Okay. And when I went to school, he said, even then 
as he was leaving, the patients were changing. He said patients have never been sicker. To get admitted to the hospital now with how much it costs, patients have never been sicker. You have to meet such strict, which I know now from this role, such strict criteria to get admitted and to get, get it paid for, which is all hospitals care about, right? So we have to change. I mean, there's, I'm going to say this blatant statement and then we can unpack it. We have to change our perception a little bit of what constitutes too much, considering the wave is going to be that these patients just get sicker. And we are going to be keeping people alive for longer through a variety of different ways, many of which now they can do at home. There are things that we can do at home now that no one 20 years ago would ever have fathomed sure it's a big ask for families the things that they're expected to do but they manage to do them yeah but do they do them well i mean it's that's sometimes yes that's a whole other discussion i mean mean, you know how i feel about that and i think we should probably do a topic about that at some point but all that comes with of course we need more staff because if the patients are sicker we need to take care of them better but i do think there also is associated this is too much work. Like, to your point, you have all the support stuff, and even then it's still too much work. Do you feel like that has any relationship? Well, I think that nowadays you're getting more, like, total care patients than you have. But as while medicine is evolving and we're, you know, treating patients with a different, like, different amounts of care and things like that, I mean, the nursing mentality has to evolve with that, too, that, okay... If I'm only going to take three patients, they're going to be sicker patients. And guess what? I'm probably not going to have an aide now because yeah. I'm primary care at this point. You know, right. like like in I- most ICUs that I know don't have AIDS. If they do, fantastic. And that's amazing. And you should thank your lucky stars that you have them because I think they're great and super helpful for like turns and stuff like that. And again, I don't want to be one of those nurses who's like, when I was a nurse, <laughs> you know, but yeah, but truthfully. When I worked in the ICU, you had two patients. You watched your own monitors. Nobody else was watching. I mean, as a team, we all like we had central monitoring. And so you would watch your own monitors. But there were also many eyes at the nurse's station if an alarm was going off or something like that. Or a blood pressure was ringing low. You know, somebody would pop up and be like, hey, has this pressure been in the 80s? Oh, okay, cool. Great. Whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, Has this guy been tacky in the 150s? Okay, cool. Great. You know, whatever. But. You know, and then we would come a time, like, two in the morning, we would just go fluff and buff everybody, or, like, every two hours, it would be, like, tag team, we'd go flip and boost and turn all the patients, you know, it was just, like, a very, like, well-oiled machine, and now here you are, I've got, like, a step-down unit that's caring for three patients, and they're total care patients, and they're bitching that they don't have any aids, so they can't flex up another patient, but these, these patients, like, are they patients that really require, I mean, these patients in general might be on like a cardizum drip or like, they're not even on insulin drips or anything like that. I mean, they might be on a low dose of nitro. Like it's, there's like a couple handful of drips that this unit will run. It's not like drip intensive. Yeah. It's not. Like, what are you basing the acuity on? Exactly. You're still, you're still running every four, like every four hour vitals on these people. Now they're on continuous telemetry, but who cares? You, they have, they have people watching their monitors for them. They're not watching their own monitors. Well, we even had that dynamic at our big hospital that we worked at where, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know any different. This is the first hospital I had worked at. This is what my exposure was. This is where 90% of my clinicals were. So my worldview was very small and the feedback that I heard from people who came from outside that facility were, wow, you guys have IV nurses who you just place an order and they just come to the bedside and place your IV? Wow, you guys have EKG techs who come and do your EKG for you? Like Uh things that are ordered, there's a huge number of things that are ordered for a patient that the primary nurse is not responsible for. There are plenty Uh of places, of course... Where that's not the case at all, and the nurses still do everything, and man, do I feel for them. But a lot of, there's a lot of places now that have switched to, appropriately so, a model that takes some of that workload off of the nurse. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be replaced with other things. Now, do you have to make sure that the EKG was done? Yes, you do. Do you have to make sure that 
you know, the the x-ray tech comes in and fucks up your whole bed situation. You have to go fix it as soon as they leave. It's right. so annoying sure. every single time without fail. Yes, Every single time. Every single time. They get that thing behind the back just fine, but something when they pull it out, your <sighs> patient is all disheveled. <laughs> I mean, Jesus some Christ. of the most comical. God, it's, like, it's ridiculous. I, I know it is. And also the other thing is when um, patients are transported anywhere, how do oh the lines God. get tied into knots? Unbelievable. How do they get tied into knots? I don't understand this. You didn't, like, fold the patient over themselves and loop them through, so I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, I was about to absolutely lose my shit the other day because my friend is very sick right now, and he has, I know, he's going through a hard time, and he has a bunch of GI drains, and at the time of this incident, he only had the one GI drain. So he had one single line happening. I think he was heplocked. Like, he wasn't even infusing anything. And he was being moved over to the cath lab table. And they ripped out his fucking drain. Ugh. And I was like, I'm sorry. It's not one of the absolute first things we learn how to tr- move a patient over from the bed to the stretcher without ripping out the single drain he has in his body oh my god so after the hell that he has gone through he then had to stay an extra day to have the drain replaced oh yeah i'd have been like y'all are paying for that shit i was about to lose my absolute i was one of those ugly family members and i was like i better walk away because i'm about to be real unprofessional (laughs) and that's not gonna do anyone any good it's so funny like I have this very cartoon image of you right now with, like, uh-huh. your hands and fists at your side and steam coming out of your Yes, ears. that's <laughs> what I felt like. I wasn't even there when it happened. And I was I was just hearing oh this, like, God. the day after. I was like, what? I mean, I think I hit the ceiling. Oh, my God. Well, I know I've told you this story before, but for our listeners who haven't heard it before, which means you haven't listened to all of our episodes. For shame. Um, but one of my very early days in nursing, I had EMS bringing a patient into the ER on a backboard and uh, we went to uh, roll the patient off the backboard and we pulled the backboard out and uh, dislodged the ET tube because they had secured it to the backboard. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So- so we excavated the patient by getting him off the backboard. Anyway, this is from Kay. Hi, Kay. This one, not to be a total downer, but this one really resonated with me too when she said this. I wish I knew how much nursing would change my everyday life and how I view the world. I'm in my fourth mm-hmm. year as a nurse, and usually after every shift, I'm reminded of what a messed up and screwed up world we live in. I used to be so innocent to how life was, but with nursing and caring for every type of person in the ICU, I realize how dark the world is and how messed up the American healthcare system is. So, 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 so true. So true. So true. Nursing pops your bubble. It pops your bubble. It reminds me, we talked about this ages ago, when people get sensitive about when you're all sharing jobs and stuff and they're like, well, I mean, I'm not saving lives. And it's like really dismissive and insulting because- First of all, I know you're not, and therefore, I don't really care about what you're complaining about. But mm-hmm. second of all, like, anything that anyone says, it's just hard to take some of the shit seriously when you're like, you don't even have any idea how much suffering there is. You know, that's a, that's a good way to phrase it, because, you know, I grew up, I, I would say upper middle class, and, you know, I went to private schools and things like that, and I definitely, definitely lived in a bubble. Hundred percent. I didn't know it at the time. No, you don't. But when you like enter the real world and you're like forced out of your bubble, it's like, oh, okay. There's a lot more to this world than just my little thing. Yeah. But coming into nursing, that is one thing that I have really seen is how much human suffering is really in this world. Because yeah. you know you work at one hospital and that's just a microcosm of what's exponentially throughout the world. Right. And especially, you know, I've worked at a few different inner city hospitals and it's just unreal. Like it's just unreal human suffering. And some of the truly, truly deplorable conditions that people come from and, you know, hats off to like my EMS workers or nurses who are also 
EMS. You know, you get all the ambulance drivers, you. Yeah. That's a joke. God, you know, truly. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> that Every time we say stuff like that, they're like, okay, people who just facilitate doctor's orders. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> like, you know, the those people are out, like our EMS employees and our police officers, they're out in people's homes and seeing these deplorable conditions that people live in. And it really is just a, such a travesty to be like, to just come in close contact with true human suffering on, on such a scale. And that is something I, I think that's something that's never talked about before nursing and, and even amongst nurses, like there's, you know, because we're all just putting one foot in front of another, right? So how many of us have time to decompress and really talk about like the human condition that we see? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's heartbreaking some days. It is heartbreaking just to know that people live this way. And I mean, it makes me super, super, super grateful for like, you know, my home and my family and my health and, you know, all of these things. But, yeah. Well, in the way know. that you get into a career. I mean, I think all of us, I don't know this, but if not all, a, a majority of us did get into this in some capacity to help people. To help. To help people. And yeah. not that that doesn't happen, but it, it happens in a very specific way that we don't usually have control over. And there are things you can do, little things you can do that make people stay, you know, therapeutic treatments that are things you usually do outside of your time taking extra time for patients, things like that that make a difference. But it feels Mm -hmm. like the way you make a difference is by trying to make up for the failings of the American healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And that's not why I went into nursing. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of how it's treated. And it's just disappointing. Sure. It's difficult. The impact is it's difficult. And, you know, (sighs) small, great things are important. And it matters to those people. Of course. Mm -hmm. And they might remember that forever. And the Mm -hmm. ability to impact strangers who will remember you forever is very deep Mm -hmm. and meaningful. But Mm -hmm. it's not enough at times to to care. That's kind of what we're talking about, right? It's just not enough. it's not enough. It's just not enough. Because I'm doing it in spite of what my hospital would have me do. Mm -hmm. So true. And now I'm really not aligned with the mission. You know, I mean, I have never gotten in trouble for it, but I've certainly worked at hospitals where they were very diligent about like discharge times and how long like a patient sat in the ER from the time they were marked discharged to the time they were actually discharged. Yeah. And so and so what doctors would do, because they were also looking at doctor's times and how long it took the doctors to process the patient and all that stuff. So what doctors would do is they would put the discharge order in, but there would still be like two hours of antibiotics that would need to run on this patient before they could go home. Mm -hmm. Never mind monitoring the patient afterwards to make sure they didn't have any sort of reaction. So then, you know, the nurse would get blamed for, well, you're, you let your discharges sit on the board for three hours. Why Mm -hmm. didn't you discharge your patients? Yeah. It's like, you know, and so it's just like these little games and we analyze that all the time in my job. We call it the Delta the delta time mm-hmm. of when the order was put into when they actually left and like why was it so sure. long and right. it's a group talk about a meeting full of people who are not the right people to be having the conversation oh not a single imagine. person in there actually discharges any patients <laughs> it's it's literally it's just it's honestly comical watching the meeting I'm like y'all have absolutely ever. no fucking clue what goes on and because even the attendees who round on the patients, they don't process the discharge paperwork. They haven't done that since they were residents a billion years ago. Mm-hmm. And even sure. then, it probably wasn't on the computer. It was probably paper and everything looked different. Never mind that when they do post-discharge calls, one of the number one things that goes on is that patients are confused about their discharge instructions. Absolutely. It's a very Absolutely. overwhelming experience, whether they are acutely listening to you or not, which sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. It's mm-hmm. It's something that would really benefit from going slowly and it's when you catch the most stuff that wasn't done right so the nurse has to spend half the time doing a med rec because all the meds that the patient's been on the entire admission somehow magically printed on the abs and now they have to go through line by line and get all that taken out and reprint it and redo it meanwhile all their other patients are screaming for shit like it's unbelievable yeah it is you're right oh that drives me crazy yeah, I and the whole point of my even bringing that up was because we were talking about like you know the hospitals are focused on you know like this yeah, time of discharge. Ex- what their expectation like, is, yeah. 
But, you know, you're making a difference in that patient's life by sitting there, you know, going through things mm-hmm. with them slowly. So I, whatever. Right. Anyway. Well, even thinking about when you were telling that story the other day about that little girl that came in with that wound or, or sting oh, yeah, or something. The bee sting. Yeah. yeah. And like you made a big difference to them. They're going to tell people about that. And that mother, when she's when she was feeling ter- scared and nervous about taking her daughter home and what to look for and how, you know, how do we prevent us from having to walk right back over here and you know get looked at again and Mm -hmm. you may have saved them a a lot of time and energy and worry and you as a mother know that that's invaluable anyway but that's meaningful if anyone else looked at that they'd be like discharge them and go what's the problem yeah which is exactly what the doctor did yeah so here we are nurses cleaning up doctor problems (sighs) they're getting pressure from unfairly too yeah not to, the you know, I'm, you know, so I don't try to just, defend it, but no, but it, it's everybody's getting their own there. Everybody has their own metrics, right? Yeah. I, mean, I just read this tweet that was like, tell us something that people don't know about your job that like you, everyone kind of know, knows to do. And one of the things was when you're on hold with a company, but you don't hear hold music. It's because they've just put you on mute. They haven't put you on oh, hold. Right. Because sure, they evaluate yeah. the hold times. But if it looks uh, like they're on the call the whole time, then it doesn't count towards their hold times. So one, what I took away from that is that when they put you on hold, quote unquote, and then you just bitch to whoever's near you about this idiot that you're dealing with, they can hear you. They're listening. So be careful about course. that. <laughs> but of course, I mean, they're trying to, they have to manipulate the system too. And like, I mean, what's the difference? I'm on hold regardless. I don't care if it reflects in your metrics or not. I mean, what, what difference does it make to me? Well, okay, <laughs> you're so funny because I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Which yeah, is... <laughs> well, you don't like the principle of it? Yes, because, but <laughs> like fast food restaurants, okay? You pull up to the window, you order your food, you pull to the next window, you pay, you go to the next window and you're waiting to get your food. And what do they tell you to do? They tell you to pull forward and they will bring your food out to you. Yeah. Because their timers are timing how long you're at that window. Yeah. Right. 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 And if there is, if there's people behind me, I'll pull up because maybe the people behind me ordered something like a coffee and they can just get their stuff and go. Fine. But if there is nobody behind me, I refuse to pull up. Yeah. I'm like, no, sorry. I'm not. Like, I'm not going to pull up so that you can lie about your metrics because the fact of the matter is my food isn't ready. Yeah. You're not serving me within that window of time that you've been allotted. Yeah, totally. I didn't know that. That's really, that's interesting. Yeah. I, go look, look in there at one time. If you ever go, I, whatever you live in, like inside a city. So I don't know how much you're doing drive through, but, but if you do go look in, they all have clocks that are timing. Yeah. That's and interesting. They trigger when a new car pulls up. It's, See, it's these are the things you need to, to know. Well, you know what really, what really to use my phrase, my own phrase grinds my gears is Amazon fucking Prime. Oh, which is not Prime anymore. Jesus which is Christ. not Prime anymore. So I'm paying an exorbitant fee, really, truthfully, to to have this benefit. I picked a product based on the fact that I could get it in a certain time because I like immediate right. gratification. Yes. And maybe I really need it and I didn't have time to go to the store or whatever the issue might be. It doesn't matter. Couldn't matter less. Yep. And you tell me it's going to be delivered on blah, blah, blah date. And then the tracking comes in and it's like, good news, your package was delivered. And I go outside all excitedly. Nope, not there. And I check the tracking. I'm like, okay, it says it's delivered. It says right there. It's delivered right at my address. Okay, so it's, it's missing. It's missing. Someone stole it. So I go online and I go to customer service and I'm like, oh my God, I'm devastated. My package was stolen. And they're like, oh, did you check with your neighbors and other people in your family who live in your house? And I'm like, yes. Maybe I'm not a complete fucking fool, but yes, fine. It's like, <laughs> is the med in the fridge? No, it's fucking not. Send me the med. Right. And then they're like, okay, well, if it's not there in three days, oh my God. then we'll do something about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me that you get to say that a package was delivered with prime standard in two days, but you don't have to be accountable for it until well after that. So everything can be delivered whenever the fuck you feel like it can be delivered all the time. Right. Well, the only reason that I keep with my Prime membership is because the amount that I order, like, I would pay so much in shipping. I would pay more than what my Prime membership fee is. So Same. 
I know. That's how I justify too. That's the only reason I keep I it. But I totally hear what you're saying. In fact, I went to buy something the other day and I needed it like the next day. And I specifically ordered the one that was going to come. come the mm-hmm. next day. Yep. And then it was like, you're tracking your shipments been delayed. And I'm like, you am effort. OK, anyway, we're very off topic. Uh-huh. Um, although I love Amazon. Um Well, I shouldn't say I love Amazon. I love the ability to have instant gratification on. That's exactly right. I hate Jeffrey Bezos, (laughs) but I love being able to get my shit as soon as I want it. Man, we're far off topic. What are we talking about? We're talking about what do you wish you had known before you started nursing school? I have two more that I'm going to read. I wanted to end on one that was like real positive or something, but spo- spoiler alert, none of there them aren't are. Any. <laughs> there aren't <laughs> any. Done. But you know what? This was a self fulfilling prophecy, so I can't, I don't have anyone to blame but myself. <laughs> this is from F. Hi, F. So the question again what do you wish you had known? That your managers, despite being nurses themselves, decide to forget what it's like on the floor. I worked many places before being a hospital worker. I have never received such little support from management. It was such a shocker. It's like the second they get their own office, they become oblivious to what the reality is on the unit. We really need more supportive leaders. Oh my God. I know, right? So is this a function of the fact that people move into these leadership positions with no leadership experience, Uh they're given no leadership mentorship, Uh and they're not taught how to be a leader? And then their their eyes are open because they're the hospital keeps everything so separate that we mm-hmm. become a leader and they're like, holy shit, there's a lot that we have to be accountable and responsible for. And a lot of it is mm-hmm. numbers and money and shit. Right. And even, you know, caudy and anything that's going to cost the hospital money all of a sudden becomes part of your responsibility. And you kind right. of have no idea because rightfully so, nurses have enough going on on the floor. They don't need to be necessarily, I mean, we are burdened with it, but in theory, they don't need to be burdened with the nitty gritty of that. Right, but sure. without being able to explain complex decision making that trickles down to a group of smart people who would be able to understand what you're telling them and make decisions based off that appropriately, by keeping that separate, it's like there's this huge wall. And so the nursing leadership, it's like they get tossed over the wall. They weren't they didn't build a ladder. They didn't they didn't learn no, how to build a ladder. No one taught back. them how to build a ladder. They'd get literally catapulted across the wall and now they're looking at this from a totally different viewpoint. And it is like they completely forget what it's like to be on the other side. It's crazy. You know what's funny is so my boss currently, when her first I would say her first six months as a leader, she would come in at like six o'clock in the morning so that she could kind of engage with night shift. Mm -hmm. as well as day shift, you know, like see how things are going, blah, blah, blah. Because she did our job. She did our job and then moved into the management role. Then that fell by the wayside. Mm -hmm. And we have gone weeks at a time where we're like, has anybody seen her? Yeah. Has she she been in the office at all? Oh, she's working from home? Yeah. Oh, she's working from home today? Oh, she has appointments today? Mm -hmm. Oh, she's... Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just like, where'd you go, man? I don't need you here every day, but like, you gotta fucking you be gotta at work. be here. Come on, yeah. Well, as someone who has an office job that's also a clinical job, it's hard because it's like a tease because you are in a setting where you can get away with doing some of that. But the reality is, not all non bedside jobs are an ability to to act like you function entirely in an office setting because you don't. And so in a 24-7 care environment, you know, people are like, oh, you know, when I'm done being a bedside nurse, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to be a unit, not just, I'm going to be a unit manager, which to me sounds so miserable, though kudos to you if you want to do it. (laughs) With this idea that it's going to be amazing in some capacity, it's not, bro. You're literally a degree away, but you're expected to operate within these certain hours. And also you need to be omnipresent for your staff. Sure. And also you want to take advantage of the fact that you're in an office setting and come in a little late one day and hate the dentist on the way and leave early to go get your kid. And meanwhile, shit's hitting the fan because you work in a 24-7 care situation. It's just, right. you. it's not really that much further away from bedside It logistically. It can't be. Well, I guess I don't understand what you're saying, though, because it is a huge step away from bedside and the fact that, like, 
you're not required to be there 24-7. And while you're supposed to be available for an emergency, do you know how many managers don't answer their phone at night? Yeah, of course. I guess what I'm saying is it's used as an opportunity to escape bedside. Maybe not exclusively, mm-hmm. but that's one of the perks. But it they take it too far because they're so glad to not be doing it. And so the idea of that's not my job anymore becomes part of it. So, you know, your your mm-hmm. colleague, your friend, whatever, for the first six months, she was like, man, I remember what it's like to not have access to the people that you need. But then right. it became inconvenient. And maybe her husband was saying, right. hey, you took this job to have stable hours and now you're leaving. It's, you're still leaving at five o'clock in the morning. And slowly that transitions away because your schedule doesn't work for that. And I got this job to have right. a Monday through Friday and this doesn't work for me anymore. And people are people mm-hmm. all the time. Sure. And I don't know. I don't know. It's complicated. I, I, I guess. don't know. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Though. But the point of of that I took away particularly from F is what you and I've talked about a lot and what we like would like to ideally think about creating potentially not to put things out in the world that we don't have a plan for yet, but mentorship and leadership programs that help Mm -hmm. this, that help bridge Mm -hmm. this gap. You have the emotional maturity that is required to do this job is immense and there is no support for it. Mm -hmm. Right. (sighs) Have we fixed all the problems yet? I think we solved the world. I think we solved the world. Yes. Last one is from H. Hi, H. She wishes she had known how isolating being a nursing student is. I feel like I never get to see my friends because I'm busy studying or at clinical or something. It will all be worth it, but damn. Also, H, sorry, no, it won't be. (laughs) She goes on to say, and how much harder it would be than my bachelor's. I have a BA in psych and I was going to school full time, working full time, had two jobs, I would often get a 40 hours in at the psych hospital as a tech. I was a pool manager and I would open all week before class and taught swim lessons, had a great gym schedule, saw my friends daily. What the fuck happened? I can work maybe 15 to 20 hours a week. And even then, I feel like I have no energy to go to the gym or see anybody. It's crazy. Give me back that 18-year-old energy. I didn't need it then and I need it now. (laughs) Hashtag said every single human in the world. Literally. Oh my God. And I responded, youth is wasted on the young. What's the point? So true. So true. Well... That is very true. Although, I don't know. I think I think you find time in life for what you want to find time in life for. And there are times when you're so busy that you just can't do certain things and that's during school, but that's temporary. That's not forever. Yeah, but also it's also okay to like put your book down for an hour and go get a coffee with a friend. Like it's really yeah. all about balance and Really, if you want to be successful, you're way better off to understand and learn time management now. And it's not that, I mean, it sounds like you have time management because you've done all these things and you've multitasked your life. However, that being said, I think what a lot of nursing students and maybe nurses too, I mean, I'm guilty of this too, right? So I'm not trying to preach here. Like, I think what a lot of people in our world forget about is that like, We need to grant ourselves some grace to just step away for a minute and prioritize our mental health. So if that means maybe you get an A minus instead of an A on an exam because you studied for an hour less, so be it. I mean, really, let me tell you, your grades in nursing school, as long as you pass everything... And you can pass boards. Nobody gives a shit what your grades are. When you go to get a nursing job, believe me, they are so desperate for nurses. They don't care what your grades were. They just want to know that you can pass the boards. That's it. Like, you know, getting an A and being the valedictorian or whatever it is you're trying to shoot for, whatever, is just not that big of a deal in the big scheme of things. And I just feel like maybe if what you're really yearning for is some time with your friends close your books for a day. Just put them away for Mm -hmm. a day. Go out with your friends and then open the books tomorrow. Like it will be okay. It will be okay. Everything will be just fine. And you, you know, probably you're better off giving yourself that mental break anyway. Absolutely. I'm going to give you all the advice that my sister gave to me. She's quite a few years older. So she had finished college by the time I was entering it. And she did a few things for me. She gave me a huge towel 
to fully cover myself for walking to and from the dorm bathroom. (laughs) She gave me a huge microwave safe bowl that was also a mug cup kind of situation that could be used for everything from coffee to mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. And she told me, I wish that I had cared less about the grade that ultimately doesn't matter and had spent more time making important memories. Mm. And I really took that to heart because it is easy to get bogged down in, especially as universities as they're you know paid to do are pressure 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 it's easy to get bogged down in those things and i know it doesn't mean anything to you now and i'm sure this will not resonate with people very much but it literally it just literally doesn't matter and the things ultimately that matter are those memories that you make in school and that you i mean of course you need to understand the material and like jamie said you have to pass the boards but you can do that without having a complete nervous breakdown right Totally. There are there's balance in all things and the urgency that nursing school puts on you is fake. <laughs> there is plenty of time in this world to learn the things that you need to learn. I understand that when you have a test, you have to study for that test, of course. But if you feel like, oh my God, I walked away from this section and we are moving on and I didn't study enough and I didn't fully understand the material, even if I pass it, what's the point? It's probably likely never going to come up again. And if it does, you'll be able to learn it. You'll have time. There is time. You will be a student forever. There is yep. always more time. So true. Well said. Thank you. On that note. We, on that note. We are going to Put your books now. down. Go get blackout drunk tonight. Don't well, hey, worry about it. For the record, that's not what I suggested because, <laughs> well, if you're 18, you might not be hungover tomorrow. But if it were me, I would be probably hungover tomorrow. Oh, my God. The hangovers after 30 really are a whole different experience. Wait till you experience hangovers after 40. Well, I've heard it's really only downhill from here. It's so true. So true. All right. On that note, you guys have a beautiful week. We love you so much. You guys, all of this content tonight was provided by you. We are so grateful for you. Thank you for all of your feedback, all of your wonderful comments and your thoughtful responses. Uh, We love, love, love hearing from you guys. So as always, make sure you hit us up uh, on Instagram at Nurse Coffee Talk. Send us suggestions, uh, feedback, anything you want to talk about, questions, concerns. You can get me on email, nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. You guys have a beautiful week and we can't wait to talk to you next week. We love you so much. Good night.